all need each other right now. Everyone is stressed out. So why don't we just take a little while for this podcast episode, take some deep breaths and just listen and learn. I think it's past time to start to wonder, ask, speak up. What in the hell is going on here? Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, Robin Openshaw here. I am the Green Smoothie Girl online. And welcome to the Vibe Show, where we talk about all things related to raising our vibrational frequency. And today I'm running a two part series which are the two very important interviews by Brian Rose of London Real. That's LondonRealReal.tv. And Brian Rose interviewed Great Britain's author and researcher and former journalist David Icke. Now, he's been known as a conspiracy theorist, but I want to ask you to suspend your disbelief with me and come with me on a little journey lay that gaslighting term down. I'm not a big fan of these gaslighting terms that we just apply them to someone because then that makes them seem crazy. Um, So let's lay down this whole idea of conspiracy theory because I think it's really important that we take a close look at what he actually says in these two, two and a half hour interviews. I want to do these interviews so that you could put it on 1.5x. I talk very quickly. David Icke talks very slowly. So if you want to put it on 1.5x or even 2x when you get to his part, I'm going to do a little Cliff's Notes here for those of you who want the abstract up front. Like here's what he says in the shortest version possible. Uh, you can listen to them much faster than if you're than you're watching it on YouTube. But full credit goes to uh, Brian Rose of London Real. He told people when this second interview is so incendiary that it literally crashed on YouTube. YouTube took it down. It was gone for probably 14 hours. Um, And it's come down and gone back up. And so, you know what? I felt like it would be a lot more useful to be able to hear it on a podcast. So I feel like David Icke lays end to end why we now find ourselves pretty much stripped of our constitutional rights. We cannot gather. We have lost a lot of our freedom of speech and we get gaslighted by by anybody who buys into the media narrative, the government narrative. If If we question it at all, we get... You know, there's more gaslighting than I've ever seen in my life. I've been more bullied in the last four weeks than I was in all of elementary school put together, which is interesting because I wore yard sale clothes and was a nerdy ginger at the time. We cannot be outside in our national parks. We have food rationing and we're not allowed to run our businesses. And many of us cannot go to our jobs. We are basically on house arrest. And so if the government slash media narrative is working for you, And if you believe that we are all at great risk of dying from a terrible virus and you do not want the many things that uh, we're going to talk about here, that are going to challenge what you think you know, this podcast episode is not for you. Okay, so do not continue on if you are happy with the media narrative, the government narrative, and you aren't asking the deeper questions. This episode is for people who are. Now, I've set up a private page on Facebook. There's 5,000 of my followers there who are agree to be polite, kind, and respectful to each other. And they all agree that they are questioning and that we have the freedom to ask, uh, ask the tough questions of why this just happened to us and we just crashed our economy and many of us don't have jobs. That private uh, group, if you'd like to add yourself, is supporting you in 2020 crisis. 
Okay, so on Facebook, if you want to join our private group, and it is the most pleasant place on social media right now with everybody throwing left hooks and right hooks, supporting you in 2020 crisis, please feel free to go add yourself if you are willing to answer yes to both of the questions on your way in. So this today is very different kind of content than I usually do. It's related to the pandemic that has hijacked all of our all of our minds, all of our consciousness, and all the events around it. Like, why do we all feel that we just lost our rights? Why is it that so many epidemiologists completely disagree with quarantining the economy's workers and forcing them to go home and be in in a sort of a house arrest situation with the elderly and the ill? We don't understand why that's a good idea. Why are hundreds of thousands of businesses either out of business completely or on their knees and in jeopardy of that? Why is one third of America unemployed with two months left to go in some places of this shelter in place legal order that we all have to stay home? Why do some states and countries leaders refuse to shut down? And many of them are doing much better than New York City and other places that have a bigger outbreak. Why is that? And so many more questions that folks with critical thinking skills are asking. So Cliff's notes really quickly, having watched both of David Icke's interviews myself, he talks about, comes right out in the second one. Please don't miss the second one. Very, very important. The first interview is foundational. But in the second one, he talks about how COVID-19 virus is not actually a virus. He talks about how it's a normal human exosome. And he reviews Andrew Kaufman's work, who's an American medical doctor who says it is identical, molecularly identical to a human exosome. And it even fits on the exact same cell receptor. There is no difference. Therefore, uh, we have to take a look at that. Uh, A virus is not a living thing. This is something that I have found that most people don't know. Um, It sort of makes wearing the masks a little bit ridiculous. Okay, but uh, the virus, uh, when you have a virus, you don't, you know, you're not walking down the sidewalk and there's this organism, this living organism, and it's hanging in the air because someone else just walked past and you're going to breathe it in and you're going to get sick. Okay, that's not at all what a virus is. So, virus causes some shedding inside the cell of these exosomes, and you have to actually be exposed in high amounts. to to it from someone who's sick. This is not um, being debated. There's nobody out there who's saying this isn't what happens. You have to spend a lot of time with a sick person. And so to get the virus, you also need to have a weakened immune system. And that's why we see um, those who get very ill or those who die of this virus are the elderly and already ill people. But you do see some videos out there and there's a lot of emotion in um, the firsthand accounts of some doctors and some nurses, you also see a tremendous amount of just lack of awareness or ignorance in, in medical professionals themselves about not just how you get sick with COVID-19, but also just what your true risk level is and what kind of risk the average healthy or even just average not that healthy person has. It is truly the very, very ill and elderly who have died. Um, so the test itself Um, RT-PCR was developed in 1984 by a biochemist named Carrie Mullis. So this is the test that everybody's taking right now. And nationwide, 4% of the people who are taking the test get a positive. And when Carrie Mullis, the biochemist, 
designed this RT-PCR test, um, it was not at all designed to be used to measure COVID-19. And in fact, he said, do not use this test to test for infectious disease. Okay. In fact, this test is also used to test for lung cancer. And the test was created by pulling genetic material out of a small number of people's respiratory system. And, and again, nobody disputes this test doesn't even actually test for COVID-19 specifically, nor does it tell you how much of this supposed viral material the test subject has. And, and again, you need a lot of it to get sick. So another thing that he covers is that the Imperial College in England um, employs a guy named Professor Neil Ferguson. You may be aware of him because he's the he's the, the epidemiologist statistician who ran the projections. His code turned out later to be 13-year-old code used to project the flu, but he's the guy that started the fear pandemic. He said that he projected 2.2 million people worldwide would die. He said that his own people in the UK, that half a million of them would die. Now, since then, he's revised that from half a million in the UK or up to half a million. He said, oh, maybe 20,000. Then later he said, maybe 5,600. So somehow he went from his, um, his projections, and I think we've really overvalued the projections here. I'm not at all the only person to be saying that. Um, somehow he went from half a million dying in the UK to 5,600. Um, he has been grossly incorrect before modeling for a pandemic, and he wouldn't give people his code. You know, this thing had been playing out for weeks and wouldn't give his code to anybody. Turns out he based it on a flu projection from 13 years ago. Interestingly, the college he works for inside the Imperial College of England receives money from the Bill Gates Foundation. Make sure you listen to David Icke on that score. I'm not going to go too deep on the uh, Bill Gates Foundation or what he has to do with the cabal or the global elite or this small group of the uber wealthy in the world who behind the scenes, unseen, are pulling a lot of strings. Bill Gates is one of the few who we have, we, we can see what he is doing. It's, it's become very, very obvious what um, his role has been in all of this. So you're thinking this sounds like a conspiracy theory. So let me ask you this. It was April 7th when, and, and that was yesterday. Right now I'm, I'm recording this on April 8th. This whole situation is, is happening so quickly that I'll just disclose that. So you can, you can measure what has happened since April 8th, when you're hearing this from me, um, to where you are at the time you're listening to this, but it was April 7th when in the United States, we hit the same number of deaths as were reported in the U.S. for H1N1 or the swine flu. Now today, the next day, April 8th, that number is higher, but we know a few things that I want to remind you about. Number one, there's only 4% of the people taking the test nationwide who are even positive. Number two, the CDC is telling people, telling those who are reporting the deaths in their own publication, and you should check this out yourself. Don't take my word for any of this. The CDC is telling doctors and morticians to count the death as COVID-19, regardless of whether they were tested for it. Even if they weren't tested for it, if there are any similar symptoms to call it a COVID-19 death. So, 
April 7th, we finally have 12,500 deaths, which is how many um, we had with swine flu in the United States. So I'm just adding data points here for you to really think about what's going on here. And three, with so much of medicine shut down, I know that I haven't seen the new number, but two weeks ago, there were 61,000 furloughed or laid off medical personnel. And I'm talking about doctors and nurses and ambulance drivers. They're just waiting for the big wave. Okay, we're waiting for the big wave when our emergency rooms will get maxed and lots of deaths are, are supposedly going to come at us. Okay, and so lots and lots of doctors and a lot of independent media outlets are talking about how lots of hospitals are empty, lots of emergency rooms are empty. So, and another data point that is curious is that South Korea, China, Germany, and so many other countries have gone basically to zero new COVID-19 deaths weeks ago. Um, Italy appears to be for close to a week now on the downhill side of the bell curve. See, all viruses have a bell curve. And once you're on the other side, it tends to just keep declining. And so the big question is, with all that as backstory, why did we shut down the economy? Why did we shut down global economies? And many of us still have two months before we're told that we're going to be allowed to go to go to work. We have the same number of deaths that swine flu did and about the same fatality rate. Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, okay, who lots of people feel like is totally in bed with the Gates Foundation and Big Pharma and is uh, stands to benefit greatly from a mandatory vaccine schedule. Um, even Dr. Anthony Fauci, who isn't, isn't really a good guardian of the hen house, he has published in New England Journal of Medicine that the death rate from this is about like a bad flu, which is 0.1% or one-tenth of 1%. And of course, as we know, um, a lot of people don't get tested and a lot of people don't get tested and tracked. Therefore, later on, they have to calculate those into it. And the number when we were hearing in China that it would be between one and 4% death rate, well, guess what? Later on, China reported it's the death rate from the COVID-19 in China, somewhere between 004 and 0.12. Um, and that was published in, it is not yet peer reviewed, but it is published in a biomedical uh, search engine called MedRxIV, I believe, is what is, if I remember correctly. So the death rate in China, where they have terrible air quality and something like 27% of the population smoke cigarettes, uh, 0.04 percent to 0.12 percent. Pretty low lethality, not worse than the flu. If you go on China's numbers or on what Dr. Anthony Fauci said to the New England Journal of Medicine, which is published on March 26th of this year, 2020. So why didn't we shut the economy down with swine flu? Why did the prime minister of India send 1.4 billion people home to not work for 21 days? I've looked for news of India. I look almost every day and I can't find anything available in English, but I'm so worried about them because there are 37 million people in India alone who live in slums on top of each other with barely enough to eat to survive as it was 
with whatever they were able to do to earn an income, and they were told they're not allowed to leave their homes. Their Prime Minister Narendi said to them, forget what it felt like to leave your house. And they didn't even have any real outbreak there at the time the Prime Minister said this. I mean, can every leader of every country be so ignorant about viruses and pandemics and the herd immunity which you get if over half the population has been exposed and the vast majority of them have become immune, which would happen if we just let this thing run, and there are lots and lots of epidemiologists pointing this out. Is it possible that everybody just got some really bad information and made some really bad decisions? I mean, one thing that's clear is the fact that we're grossly over-reporting the deaths. That much is very clear. You can find hundreds of sources out there Uh, as of now, April 8th, talking about this. I saw a new one today by Dr. Annie Bukacek in Montana, for instance, talking about how, and and I've had dozens of people message me um, or report on my private group in Facebook that someone close to them went to the ER with chest pains and dizziness, looks like a heart attack, and they were told that they could be admitted only as a COVID-19 patient. Okay, so now if a patient dies and they've been admitted as something else, but COVID-19 goes on their chart, you can do the math. This is going into the death statistics and it really wasn't a COVID-19 death at all. When you have a stage four cancer patient who's already weighs below 100 pounds and has been through chemo for several years, when they die, if they can get a positive test for COVID or if they had a cough, apparently they call them a COVID-19 death. So then David Icke, in the second episode that I very much hope that you'll listen to if you're open at all to challenging the narrative you've been told by the media and by your government, he will talk about the symptoms of being exposed to radiation and how the 5G rollout where we're being exposed to a hundred times more radiation than 4G. It's exponentially more. Well, the 5G had rolled out, being installed There's literally satellites up in space beaming down radiation at the people of New York. Guess what? The 5G rollout happened in the exact same cities where we have these high numbers of deaths from supposedly COVID-19, talking about especially New York City. You've got this doctor, his name is Dr. Cameron Kyle Seidel. And he is a New York City ICU doctor. And you could look up his six-minute video and he says, I don't know what this is we're treating, but this, he seems completely panicked. He's in his kitchen talking to us after work. And he says, this doesn't look like COVID-19 at all. In fact, putting ventilators on these people is going to hurt them. And so he says, I don't know what they have but it doesn't fit the profile of COVID-19 at all. It's like they got dropped on the top of Mount Everest without doing any acclimatization. So, you know, I'm here in Utah and today, uh, April 8th, we have had 13 deaths of elderly people in Utah. We have had a total of 148 hospitalizations. Our medical personnel have been at home, uh, many of them not being paid for weeks. I was in the Park City Hospital because I need to get some blood out of my arm. I was supposed to get rid of a pint of blood and normally I would go to Red Cross, but of course they were all shut down uh, all over the country. And it was two weeks ago today. Today's April 8th. 
two weeks ago, whatever that was. This was long before they stopped doing, you know, urgent issues only. Okay. They were totally open for business and I was the only one in the hospital. There was absolutely not one person in the ER. And I said, so you guys have a bunch of people here with COVID? And they're like, nope, we haven't. We don't have anybody. Well, while I was there in the hospital, I was looking at my phone because I was sitting there in the ER waiting for somebody to take my blood. No patients in the waiting room. No patients inside when the swinging door would open. Just a few employees in there lounging around. Nobody. And while I was sitting there in the ER, while they tried to find a nurse and they eventually sent me packing, I was there for an hour and I never did get a pint of blood on my arm because they said there wasn't a nurse in the entire hospital. While I was sitting there, ironically, I got the story from KSL came out that our lockdown, which had already been going for 10 days, was being extended another five weeks. Empty hospital and there's only two. There's only two in Summit County and I was in the much bigger one. Nobody there for COVID-19 and yet we're going to shut down most of 7,000 businesses in Summit County. So just in the last few days, I've had four different people tell me they're in horrible pain from a cracked tooth and that they cannot even get a dentist to treat them until at least May. And so I just use that as an example of the dentist's uh, because there are many professions in the same boat. They're scared of the authorities. They're scared of the threats and the sanctions. What if the authorities shut off my electricity and my water to my dental clinic? Well, I better just stay home until somebody gives me permission to practice dentistry again. So I think it's it's past time to start to wonder, ask, speak up. What in the hell is going on here? If you were ever open to asking a different kind of question, if you were ever open to listening to somebody like David Icke, okay, now would be that time. And so let's ask ourselves, do we support this whole lives versus money thing that's been very divisive? And anybody who says, hey, wait a minute, my business is is going to be bankrupt, then you have lots of people on social media shouting at you that you care more about money than lives, not true. I wrote a piece on my Facebook page um, about the actual economic cost of high unemployment. So do we actually save lives by crashing the economy? I think now is that time to start asking questions like that, to start speaking up. I hope you've written your city mayor, your county mayor, your governor. If you believe that the numbers do not warrant the economic shutdown, such as the numbers I just gave you in Utah, less than 150 hospitalizations and 13 deaths in the last month. And we are completely shut down in the two Democrat-run counties, Salt Lake County and Summit County, where I live in Park City. Tell your elected officials, your state legislators, your state delegate to uh, Congress and, and the Senate in Washington, tell them you want to get back to work. David Icke will tell you if we acquiesce, this is a major theme of his, if we acquiesce, they have power and they don't have power if we don't acquiesce. Right now, America got knocked over by a feather. So I talk fast. David Icke talks very slowly. And that's part of the reason I wanted to put his interview here on my podcast is just so you can consume this content twice as fast if you want to. And I also put it up here because YouTube keeps shutting the videos down. Brian Rose said when, when YouTube kept taking these videos down, he said, save this to your hard drive. So I'm assuming that he is okay with me using this content 
uh, giving him credit and saying that you can get the videos at London Real, R-E-A-L dot TV. Um, I'm hoping that this content is safer to go out because iTunes generally does not censor content. Um, maybe because of the huge traffic, David Icke's first interview with London Real went viral. And then his second one was the second highest live event on YouTube that day. And so maybe it just crashed it. Maybe that's why it disappeared from YouTube for almost a whole day. But regardless, here it is, audio only. You're not missing anything because they were just, you know, sitting in a studio talking to each other on the video. But I think you're going to find what Ike says to be really fascinating. In the podcast format, you can back up and listen to something again because there are things he says that you need to listen to two or three times. So I'm going to let you listen to the first interview. And then just as soon as we can, as soon as we're done producing, we'll also publish his second interview. The first one's the back story on who the global elite are that not only control a lot of government all over the world and have their hands in our back pocket, whether you realize it or not. For instance, they own the Federal Reserve and have since 1913. And this isn't even a secret, even if most Americans don't know it, but also just how they've been teeing this thing up, this thing that just happened to us and is going to be a part of our lives ongoing, unless we really stand up to it. How did they do that? Listen, I have one more thing to say before we get right into it. Please don't abuse your friends and family. And I'm probably preaching to the choir here because if you've even listened to this long, you must be a questioner. You must have critical thinking skills. You must want to know why are our small businesses on the ground? Why are we unemployed when we were doing so well? I just want to say, um, to share this message that we all need each other right now. Everyone is stressed out. So why don't we just take a little while for this podcast episode, take some deep breaths and just listen and learn the last 30 minutes of the second David Icke interview is absolutely inspiring. Okay. If you're looking for some hope, make sure you listen to that. Listen to it twice. If you want, we've all already seen a ton of mainstream media. We've read a ton of mainstream media. People call it fake news. I call it fact-free and fact-light news where you see a headline like Ecuador is handing out cardboard coffins. And then you read the article and there's only one fact in it. And that's that 150 people in the entire, you know, tens of millions of people who live in, in Ecuador have died. They're not handing out cardboard boxes. You read the article and you find out that somebody was talking about cardboard boxes. You read about a baby who died of COVID-19 and you have to read all the way to the bottom of the page to find out that the mother died of they don't even know what and was 22 weeks gestation of this baby. And somehow the headline becomes baby dies of COVID-19. This is the kind of terrible fake news that preys on the unsophisticated, that preys on people with very weak critical thinking skills. We've listened to plenty of that kind of information. How about we just settle in and listen to a completely different kind of information? This is Brian Rose interviewing on London Real or London Real TV, David Icke, the British journalist who can be found at davidike.com. That's I-C-K-E. Dot com or iconic spelled the same way iconic.com this is london real i am brian rose my guest today is david ike the english writer and public speaker known since the 1990s as a professional conspiracy theorist calling yourself a full-time investigator into who and what is really controlling the world 
You're the author of over 21 books and 10 DVDs and have lectured in over 25 countries, speaking live for up to 10 hours to huge audiences filling stadiums like Wembley Arena. You are here today to talk about the coronavirus pandemic, the worldwide COVID-19 lockdown, and the looming global economic recession. David, welcome back to London Real. Thanks, Brian. Great to have you here. A lot of people out there with a lot of questions. There's a lot of confusion. This is a crazy time. Uh, I wanted to start off and just say a few things as far as where we are. Okay. It's March 18th, 2020 right now. I want to throw some of my views out there, and then I want to hear your views, okay. and I want to have a good discussion about this, right. and also talk about the numbers we know so far. Um, so first of all, just as far as my beliefs, I personally don't believe the coronavirus was created by a third party. I do think it occurred naturally. I do believe in the science, and I do believe in vaccines. I'm sure we're going to talk about this. Um, I do plan on getting my flu vaccine and any future coronaviruses vaccines, although you might talk me out of it. We'll see. Um, I am now obeying the orders of the government. I'm complying with their requests for information and behavior. We're going to see what happens with that. Uh, that being said, I do believe at this point that the virus can no longer be controlled in the Western world. And as a healthy 40-something-year-old male, I'm prepared to get it right now, and I don't believe it's going to kill me. We just shook hands. Um, over the long term, I do think 70 to 80% of the population is going to get it and hopefully become immune to it. Um, but also, I understand due to the safety of the elderly, and I know we're going to talk about that, and those with lower immune systems and respiratory problems, I understand and I agree with this policy of social distancing in order to flatten the curve and not to overwhelm our medical system. Finally, I just want to say I think we believe we now live in a post-coronavirus world where the virus is going to be along for a long period of time and it's going to change our behavior. Let me hit you with some stats and then we can jump into this. As of today, March 18th, there are 208,221 reported cases worldwide and 8,272 confirmed deaths. Countries like China with 81,000 cases, about 3,200 deaths. Italy, 31,000 cases, 2,500 deaths. Iran, 16,000 cases, 988 deaths. As we go down to Spain, 13,000 cases, 533 deaths. And then down into the USA with 6,500 cases and 116 reported deaths. And here in the UK, 1950 cases and 71 deaths. Stock markets in America are down well over 25% since their highs and a global recession is all but certain. Federal Reserve has cut rates to nearly zero. The US has approved a trillion dollar stimulus package. The UK a 330 billion pound stimulus package. Many industries at risk. Aerospace, travel companies, entertainment, events, retail outlets, the list goes on and on and on. I hear through my sources, we should expect military troops here in London in the next couple days on the streets. David, there's an ancient Chinese expression that says may you live in interesting times. Some say it's a curse. What do you see in the world? What are you concerned about? And do you feel for the British citizens and global citizens? Right. Well, maybe if I just put some background in place and then we can take it uh, from there. For 30 years, I've been warning people in my books and in every other way I can that this world is controlled by a cult. It's a cult that has no borders. It operates in all the at least major countries, and in, in fact, all the countries in the end, and particular in those countries that dictate the direction of the world. So the cult will be at the core of the system in China. It will be at the core of the system in America, etc., etc., etc. And so what have I said in this 30 years? 
that this cult wants. I've said, and we've, I've said it in the chats we've had before, it wants to create a beyond Orwellian global state in which um, a tiny few people dictate to everyone else. I've referred to this as the Hunger Games Society. And you can picture the structure very clearly. Picture a pyramid. At the top of the pyramid, you've got a tiny few enormously wealthy people that actually are um, connected to this cult. We now have a name for them. We call them the 1%. At the bottom of this pyramid in the Hunger Games Society is basically the rest of humanity that is dependent upon the 1%. And in between the two is a vicious, merciless police military state to impose the will of the 1% on the population and to prevent the population challenging the 1%. And this Hunger Games society is not classic fascism, it's not classic communism, although the outcome in terms of tyranny is the same. It is a technocracy. A technocracy is defined as a society that is uh, controlled by bureaucrats, experts, scientists, engineers, technocrats. And the ability of that situation to, um, to happen is through smart technology and AI. The idea is that everything will be connected to AI. This is what the Internet of Things is all about. And if you um, listen to the crazies in Silicon Valley, they're telling you that in the period around 2030, a, a year that keeps coming up from all directions, um, we will have a situation where the human brain will start to be connected to AI. And thus, whoever con uh, controls AI will be connecting, uh, um, will be connecting and uh, driving the perceptions of humanity. And that can be done from a central point through this smart grid, global smart grid. So that's the structure that they want. They also want a society completely cashless, where everything is digital money, a single one, one world currency, which will be run through this smart grid. Now, in the same 30 years, I've been saying there are two major techniques that are being used to bring about that situation. One, I've called since the 1990s, problem, reaction, solution where you covertly create a problem, you um, use the unquestioning, pathetic mainstream media to tell the public the version of the problem you want them to believe. And you're looking at stage two, the reaction, for fear, that's the currency of control, outrage, whatever the problem is, and either a demand from the public that something must be done, or at least an acceptance from the public that things need to change because of the problem. And at that point, those who've created the problem got that reaction openly in changes in society 
offer the solutions to the problems they have themselves covertly created. And those changes, step by step, take us further and further to that Hunger Games society. There's another version, uh, which I call no problem reaction solution, where you don't need a real uh, problem, you just uh, need the perception of one, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and you still have the ability to um, provide your society-changing solution. The stablemate of problem-reaction solution is what I call the totalitarian tiptoe, where you start at A and you know you're going to Z, but you know if you go in too big a leap, people will look up from the game show and the latest Simon Cowell and say, what's going on, what's going on, because the change is so great. So you do it in as big a steps as you can towards your outcome, but not so fast or big that you alert too many people to the fact that it's a pattern. What you want people to believe is everything is random. And I have this other phrase which relates to all this, know the outcome and you'll see the journey. If you don't know where this world is being taken by this cult, then everything seems random. Coronavirus, random. Um, climate change, random. Uh, economic crash, random. But when you know where we're being taken, you know the outcome, this Hunger Games structure society, now the apparently random events become clear stepping stones to that outcome. Now, Let's take all of that and apply it to the coronavirus and what's happening now and let people decide for themselves if they think that the fact that the coronavirus hysteria ticks every single box of that outcome, that goal, whether that's a coincidence. I absolutely do not believe that it is. And, you know, you mentioned that um, you don't think that it was a created virus. Um, but, but the fact is, whether it was or whether it wasn't, doesn't matter to the fact that once you, you roll this out, it takes on a momentum of its own. I agree with that. And therefore, um, what is unfolding was desperately predictable. And in fact, we'll get into this as we chat, to massive 1% organizations, one in fact six weeks before this uh, virus came to light in um, China, were playing out scenarios and simulations based on exactly this scenario that's unfolding now. And what they said would happen is exactly what is happening, down to the fine um, detail. Okay, but the coronavirus but, is real and it is dangerous. You do believe that? Um, well, n not as a black and white, no. Okay. But it is real? Um, obviously, there is a strain of this coronavirus, because there are many coronaviruses, um, which appears to be different. Um, but if you um, look in terms of the danger, the danger is to a certain section of society. Do you know, um, mainstream doctors, I watched an interview with one in America, uh, only two or three days ago, and they're saying, well, look, just to put into context, 80% of people that are diagnosed with coronavirus have, and this is his quote, 
very mild symptoms. The ones that are in danger, and by the way, in danger from any virus, including uh, uh, the, uh, the, the classic flu, are those that have compromised immune systems. And they are old people, elderly people, and they are people with what is termed pre-existing uh, health problems. Why? The pre-existing health problems are putting so much pressure on the immune system, it's already weak when it's hit with this. This is why someone like that will um, have uh, potentially a serious situation, and someone with an immune system uh, in working order of any level will just swat it away. And another point, you know, have we not learned yet to take what the authorities tell us with a pinch of salt until it's proved otherwise? Do you know, um, there was a, a lady called Dr. Deborah Blix. She's the White House coronavirus coordinator. She said in a press conference two days ago that 96% plus of those who have been tested for coronavirus in uh, South Korea were negative. And she said, and our testing results in America show about the same. And so when you um, uh, are in, in, a, in a massive way, you are um, diagnosing on the basis of symptoms how the hell do you know they've got this coronavirus strain and, and, and not something else? Me, me and my son, Gareth, um, well before Christmas, both went down, we're, we're very, very rarely ill, that's why we remember it. We both went down with this, uh, with this illness. And now, as I read the symptoms of this coronavirus strain, we had word for word, point by point, every single symptom. And that means one of two things. It means either this coronavirus strain was going around in Britain then before it had even emerged out of China, or far more likely, we got something else with exactly the same symptoms. So I would um, hold back on believing the figures. And I would also... Um, Those figures uh, I mentioned, are you unsure about those? I, I, I question any figures coming out of mainstream authority. Okay. I've been investigating uh, the mainstream everything for 30 years. And, you know, most of the time, if they ever told the truth, they would genetically implode from the shock. So I question everything. And if it stands up, it stands up. But I don't just take it because someone in a suit has told me to believe it. For instance, you know, um, in 2017-2018, uh, 45 million people got the flu in America, according to Centers uh, for Disease Control and Prevention figures. 61,000 died. Um, where was the hysteria then, 61,000 people dying? Well, they, they say that this is more dangerous and more contagious and what's potentially going to kill more people. Because well, otherwise, that's a good question, David. Everyone's <laughs> like, well, how come people aren't worried about this when the flu from 18 yeah. killed 50,000? This has only killed 
8,000. The, the point is, though, the, this is the point, that according to officialdom, 80% of people who get the coronavirus diagnose the coronavirus, have not necessarily all got it, um, have very mild symptoms. The vast majority of the rest have what they call moderate symptoms. And that leaves um, some with um, uh, compromised and weakened immune systems who get the serious end of it. And they get the serious end of the flu as well and, 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 and other um, uh, viruses. And these people are clogging up the Italian health system well, right now. The, Do you believe the, that's true? The point is that what we, what we surely should be doing is focusing on those people and doing, doing what is necessary to uh, protect them and their immune systems uh, from uh, the consequences. But to have um, the vast majority of the population who at most will have mild symptoms, some even no symptoms. I mean, I remember this story. One of the first uh, Scottish people to get the virus was interviewed on a BBC local radio station. And he said, well, uh, you know, I, I had a bit of a mild uh, um, uh, fever. Well, what's that? That's the immune system using heat to kill the predator. Just perfectly immune system response. So anyway, um, he says, and um, so I, I got checked out. And they said, I've got coronavirus. And they said, you've got to go to hospital. He said, but I, I felt all right. I had a bit, you know, a few aches and stuff, but I feel all right. He says, so I'll go to hospital. He said, but by the time I get to hospital, he said, the symptoms are gone. And he's gone down as a statistic, coronavirus in, in, the, in the numbers. So when you've got people who are getting that, on a, even if they do get it, on a vast scale uh, in terms of percentage who, who, who have that response, you get a, a, an even greater number who, who, who don't get it. And for that, you destroy, because that's what's happening before our eyes, Brian, you destroy the world economic system. Now, let's go back to how I started. One of the things I've been pointing out as a problem reaction solution uh, that was coming to, to, to uh, transform human society, including, by the way, one of the things I said was coming in my earlier books was a pandemic um, because of all the boxes it ticks. But what I have been saying for the best part of 30 years is they are planning an enormous economic crash. And I've been saying it even more since 2008 because 2008 seemed a bit of, uh, be a nightmare. The point I'm making is what they want is something that would make 2008 look like, you know, a, 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 a Sunday school tea party. And so um, this coronavirus hysteria gives the, um, the excuse to do what they're doing and the outcome and the consequences of what they're doing is to dismantle the world economic system. Now, another thing I've been saying, this Hunger Games society, I've been saying this for a long time, is designed to have no small business, no even medium-sized business globally, just gigantic corporations that control and produce everything. Amazon is a classic example of what I'm talking about. What this coronavirus um, hysteria is creating 
is a situation unfolding by the hour worldwide that is destroying small business, family business, even medium-sized business. Some even relatively big businesses too. It's destroying them. The, the, the big legacy of what is happening now will not be to do with health long term. It will be economic. I agree with it's you. Cat it's going to be catastrophic. Now, now, here's the point. What happens to those people whose businesses collapse? What happens to all those people who were working for those businesses? For bars, for, for, for hotels, for um, all these uh, businesses that have been targeted. Don't go there. Shut down. What happens to them? They fall into the bottom of the Hunger Games society. And, and, and what we're seeing now, every day, is this Hunger Games society coming closer and closer and closer because of what's being done in the name of protecting the people. i got news for you. You go deep enough into this system, they don't give a shit about the people. We are being asked to believe now that this system cares about old people. We must protect the old people. We must destroy the world economy to protect the old people. Oh, these would be the old people, would they, that have paid in their entire life through taxation and other means, and at the end, in their final years, they get handed a pittance of a pension which gives them the choice between being warm or being hungry. And what does that do? When people are going without essential things because the system doesn't care and, and, and uh, they, they're having to buy shite food because that's all they can afford. They, they can't have nutrients to um, boost their immune systems because they can't afford them and the mainstream everything's not telling them they need them anyway. And at the same time, they're breathing in shit air drinking toxic water and other drinks, being deluged with sugar, which has a phenomenally destructive impact on the immune system. All this is going on. We're living in a, uh, an electromagnetic, technologically generated soup of um, radiation toxicity. And this system has allowed that to happen, has allowed corporations to do that, uh, and now, having done all that, that's devastated the lives and the immune systems of old people, we are being asked to believe that the system cares about the health of the elderly. It doesn't give a shit. I'm not talking about the nurses. I'm not talking about the doctors. I'm talking about that at the core which is driving this. And, and the, the, the idea that all these things are being done to protect the elderly, they don't give a shit about the elderly. The elderly are an excuse to impose the very society that I'm talking about. Now, if you look at when these things happen and, and great 
uh, Orwellian, draconian things are put in place. Oh, we've got to do this because of the problem. Well, the problem eventually passes. This virus will eventually flatten out. But what you see every time, 9-11 is a classic, they'll roll back some of it, but not nearly roll back to where it was before. The whole thing's moved on closer to the Hunger Games Society. Another thing you're going to see, oh, and by the way, I mentioned that um, a, a great goal of this, uh, and I've been saying this, my, when did I first write this? About 1993. They want a a cashless society, a digital cashless society, one world currency, which has phenomenal um, implications for freedom. They want rid of cash. And when I said that, there was lots of cash in circulation. People going, end of cash. Now look at it. And you know, what was it this guy, Ted Ross, the head of the World Health Organization, a man I wouldn't trust to tell me the time in a room full of clocks, by the way. Um, he said, don't touch cash. Use cards because the virus can pass on through cash. I've come up here today for this chat three times in places that are always cash. I had cash turned down. Now we're taking cards. And, and when, this, when this runs on they're going to be justifying a cashless society on the basis of this not this um, that you can pass viruses on through it um, and uh, they're going to be saying we can't have this again we, we, we can't have this happen again so you're going to have more technological testing of people for whether they have a temperature and all this stuff and the whole surveillance is going to move on, exactly as it has in China. Right. If, if people thought China had, had reached the point of beyond Orwellian, well, you just look what they brought in as a result of this coronavirus. Okay. I they, want to talk about that technology because it's a very good point. But what, now, Italy right now, we're looking at Italy, and from what we can see and hear, the hospitals are chock full of people that are dying. There's not enough respirators, etc. I mean, surely we must do something about this, David. I know what you're saying is that these things will pass and we're crushing our global economy, which actually has bigger implications than the health. I agree with you. This will ruin people's lives. Well, not only that, it will cause massive amounts of ill health and death. I agree with result. that too. I agree with that. It's just, it's just pushing it down further. But what about these people that are dying and clogging up hospitals and the fact that could happen with the NHS? That is a, a reality. Well, I, 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 I've, I've thought um, all along, and it seems to be the case, that the strain that is prevalent in, in um, Italy is something of a, 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 a stronger nature than, than what's generally circulating. And, and also in Iran, that's something else. Just as an aside, we, we have a country targeted by America, targeted by Israel, Iran. And as this virus um, came out of China, of all the countries in all the world, Iran got its smack worse than anyone before it started to appear in, um, in Italy. It was a little odd. And members... Uh, Could have been a coincidence. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, after 30 years, Brian, uh, coincidences um, are, are something I have to be very, uh, very well uh, persuaded because uh, coincidences don't turn out to be so. They turn out to be uh, made to happen. Anyway, uh, so not only did... Iran have this, what again seems a stronger um, 
a strain of it, but it was killing the people within the regime at a very early stage. And, and you know, that's, that's a coincidence. How many coincidences do you want? Um, and then you have another one, you see. I, I mentioned um, that one of the problem reaction solutions that I've said in the books over the years that they were going to use to justify this Hunger Games society was a pandemic. Um, you, you look at the movie Contagion, I think it was tw 2011. I watched it, it last tells, week. It, it's basically coming out of China and stuff like that. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh, it's got Jude Law in there, and yeah. Paltrow, it's very interesting, and very well made. Yeah, but you know, uh, you know, I've talked to you in previous uh, chats about something called preemptive programming, where they, they, they preempt something to put it into the subconscious mind, even the conscious mind, through Hollywood, and then suddenly it kind of happens for real. But I was sent a document um, from 2010 that was published by the Rockefeller Foundation. The Rockefeller Foundation obviously is a front for the Rockefeller family, which is fundamentally involved in this global cult. Um, in fact, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers were the creators of the World Health Organization, which is there to, to control health policy and direct uh, um, the um, perception of, 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 of health in its, all its forms from a central point. You don't trust the WHO at all? Well, it's currently headed by a guy called Ted Ross from Ethiopia, who was a Politburo member in a Marxist government that's been running Ethiopia for a... Uh, a long time. Uh, he was health minister and was exposed three times for covering up cholera epidemics in Ethiopia. And now he's head of the World Health Organization telling us about the coronavirus. You, you, you will understand if I don't agree uh, uh, or, or even believe a word that comes out of his mouth. See, these, these, these organizations are not there to serve the public. They're there to serve this um, agenda. So who, who came out? and said, oh no, don't touch cash, you pass on the virus, just, just use... Ted Ross, same, same guy. Um, he's the one that's praised China for a wonderful job they did um, with the coronavirus and, 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 and what have you. Now, this Rockefeller Foundation document um, was about a scenario involving a flu pandemic. And it described what would happen, that, that, that China would um, use uh, authoritarian, draconian methods to, to, to meet the challenge. And then the West wouldn't basically start like that, but then would, would, would become the same. And, and, and this whole global lockdown was described in this document. And then we moved to six weeks before the virus came to light um, in China. And we had something called Event 201. This was a simulation of a coronavirus um, pandemic which involved the World Economic Forum, which has its meeting every year in Davos. This is the 1%, 1% and involved the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, Bill Gates, the guy that wants to vaccinate the frickin' world, 
and by the way, is funding the electronic tracking of people to, so that the authorities know if they've been vaccinated or not through an organization he funds called Gavi. And they ran this simulation called Event 201 in which they inserted, you know, scenario row or simulated news reports. And if you watch them, you can see it on the internet. It's just like the news reports we're seeing in the media. And they, ha they, they were discussing, okay, you know, what, what, what can we do? And, and there was a whole area of this simulation where they're discussing how they control information. And they're saying, how do we deal with the anti-vaxxers? How do we um, make sure that the official narrative of, of the pandemic is the one that's dominating um, the internet and all these lines of communication and not what they call conspiracy theories, putting another, um, another point of view. And all these things that they talked about in this scenario have happened. We've had Facebook and Google saying that they're going to um, make sure that, um, the, first of all, the World Health Organization uh, version gets free advertisements and they're going to suppress the, um, the uh, other opinion, what they call conspiracies and what have you, and disinformation and fake news. Who decides if, if it is? They do. We've had YouTube this week say that uh, because they don't have the same number of staff, they're going to now um, have videos taken down purely by AI algorithms. And because of that, they say a lot more videos are going to be taken down, even those that don't um, uh, you know, break what they call community guidelines. So all th these things that were decided um, in this um, Gates World Economic Forum 1% simulation six weeks before uh, that they should happen or happen. And that was all public information about them doing that? Or you got the report about it? Okay. No, no, no. I, I, read, I, read, I read the actual document of the Rockefeller Foundation and its scenario, which is exactly what's played out. But um, the um, Event 201 simulation was filmed. You can see it on the internet. Okay. And now they're running that playbook right now. Exactly the same. Another right. thing is that um, at the same time that that um, simulation was taking place, 10,000 military personnel and support staff were attending the World Military Games in Wuhan, China. So um, that is, I'm not, I, again, I'm not saying this happened, but what we have to put, if we're not going to be scammed, uh, and just believe the official narrative, we have to explore possibilities. And, and another possibility is that that World Ga Military Games was a wonderful front to, um, to release some kind of, um, of, 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 of virus in, in, in that uh, same area. So all these things are um, something that have to be explored and put into the mix. Because what happens if you only believe the official version of everything is the official solution for the problem you believe in is going to take us further and further down the road to a society 
that would make George Orwell bloody wince. And all the things that I've said, this cult wants, this cult is getting as a result of this coronavirus. Okay. What do we do about this situation in Italy? Do you think it's correct to lock everybody down? You know, uh, you know, if it is this bigger strain, do you think that is the intelligent solution to ease off on the, the hospitals? Because, you know, you agree, people are dying most likely up there. What do we do in that situation? Is there a point where a big reaction is warranted? Well, because I know you care about people, you, David. You, you have to keep the reaction in proportion to the problem. So maybe more needs doing in places like all parts of Italy. But the point is, you've got to keep your eye on the rest of it and how you can, um, you can see the world completely transformed and economically demolished by um, taking action now that will have phenomenal knock-on consequences. And so when you look in the, the global average and in most other countries, um, the number of people who are seriously affected by this against all those who are not, the way the whole economic system is being shut down is suicide. And, and what happens when it reaches a point where in its present state it cannot continue, it cannot survive, a whole new economic system comes in, which is the one this cult wants. And I'll tell you another thing. I've been going on for years and years and years about the fact that the uh, idea of human, human caused climate change is a joke. It's a hoax. Um, and people say, why would they hoax climate change? You look at all the solutions to climate change. And again and again and again, they are exactly the same solutions as, and consequences as with the coronavirus. What, what did Prince Charles say? At Davos, um, only a matter of you know, two months or so ago, he said by 2030, this year that keeps coming up all over the place from all directions, we need a new global economic system, economic order to meet the challenge of climate change. What have I been writing for 30 years? This cult wants to transform the world economic order into this technocratic, AI-controlled tyranny. And both the coronavirus and the climate change hoax are providing the, the problem um, I would say in many ways the illusion of the problem, not least with human-caused climate change, to offer the solution of exactly what they want, which is a transformed, centrally controlled, AI-controlled world economic system, which will not have mom-and-pop businesses anymore. Right. It won't have small businesses. Now, it wants rid of them. 
Now, the people in, in America, Trump and his advisors and the people, Boris Johnson and his advisors, are going to say that the virus, since it spreads exponentially, needs drastic action now. That's what they say. We have to shut everything down so it doesn't become, you know, a thousand X in the next 14 days, which can't happen with a virus, can't happen with something that grows exponentially. That's true, right? You just don't believe that's the case here. What, what, what I keep coming back to is the effect on the health of the overwhelming vast majority which have immune systems that just basically slap it aside. And it's this um, small group of elderly people who for reasons I've described have weakened immune systems and those who have other health conditions and therefore weakened immune systems, they're the ones in danger. So if you focused everything on them, and if necessary, isolate them, and, and focus your resources on them, so no one goes hungry and no one is um, in need, but the rest of the population, 80% very mild symptoms or no symptoms, others with moderate symptoms, well, are we going to destroy the world economic system by saying that those people also have to isolate and not go to work? Yeah. For me, that's crazy. Focus on those who are in danger. Throw everything at them. Cocoon them if necessary. But cocoon them with, um, with fairness and with compassion and with total support, but the rest of the population, I, 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 I got exactly the same symptoms, I repeat, before Christmas, and I carried on working. Weren't pleasant for two or three days, coughed some stuff up and all that, but you get on with it. And this is happening to people all the time. I'll, I'll give you an analogy, Brian. Years ago, you might remember this, we used to have a thing called weather. And weather used to change and there used to be uh, storms and there used to be, you know, strong weather situations. And we used to call it weather. Now, every time that happens, as it's always happened, now it's climate change, we're all gonna die. And what we have now is the coronavirus version of that. Everything is coronavirus. We don't even know if so many people have been uh, logged as having had it, actually have it. When, when you're testing, like I said earlier, on symptoms, well, these symptoms are um, true of many different things. Uh, who, who says they, uh, this person's got it or this person hasn't got it? We don't know. The point is they're not dying from it. They're not even, most of them, being affected more than... Uh, very mild symptoms. So why are we locking them away and bringing down the world economic system and destroying uh, people's businesses, livelihoods, ability to pay the rent? Why are we doing that and not just focusing totally on those who could have a, 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 a serious problem because of their immune system deficiencies? I don't know. And they're telling us. I'll tell you why. <laughs> because 
if they carried on and allowed that to happen, the world economic system would not be demolished. And the idea is to demolish it so you can replace it. Problem, reaction, solution. That's why. Right. They're telling us that we have to lock everybody down to save the elderly and the <clears throat> less immune. That's what they're telling us. But it doesn't make any sense to me, David. And I put out a video on Saturday. I got a lot of heat for it. Um, got like a quarter million views. And I said, I'm ready. I'm ready to get the virus. Give it to me and all of the strong ones. Let's build up an immunity to it. And over the long term, we can have this herd immunity and potentially protect these people. But I can't believe the measures I'm hearing about. They're talking about locking everybody in their homes in New York City. My sister's in, in San Francisco. They're being locked into their homes. It seems like an overkill to my b logical brain. What are you actually describing if we break it down? You're, Hunger Games. You're describing mass um, house arrest. Yes. That's what you're describing. Exactly what it is shelter something they call it that's that's what it is and and you know this idea that we're protecting you we're protecting you and see this is the key they say you're protecting grandma that's living with you yeah so we're going to lock you down as well so you don't hurt her well you know i would be open to to um cocooning people who have um a, a serious reaction to this because of their immune systems I would be open to, 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 to that for, for their sake. But to, to do it to the rest of the population, people that aren't living with old people, um, and bringing the economic system down with it, as planned, is insane. But as always with this cult, there's method in the madness. And that's what we're seeing. You know, look at the outcome. The outcome will tell you what the what's behind it what's that great line goes back to ancient Rome who benefits who benefits that great line he who most benefits from a crime is the one most likely to have committed it let's ask that question who benefits from what's happening and what's being justified on the basis of this uh, uh, quote virus anyone that wants to transform human society into an Orwellian state which I've been saying that that's exactly where they, they are taking us for 30 years. So if people just take a, take a breath and look at it and, and say, who benefits? And, and why is this craziness destroying the... Who benefits from the, from, from the economic system being destroyed? Anyone that wants to put another one in place. And, you know, I've, I've, I've said this many times as we've chatted. This whole conspiracy, the whole cult way of manipulating society is psychologically. It's a psychological game. You know, when there's a few of you, and compared with the global population, they are a very few, you can't control people physically. You can do it in a certain area through, the, through troops and the army, and what they want to do is do it absolutely through connecting AI to the human brain. But for the moment, they can't. How you, how you have to do it is you have to... Um, program people's perceptions because from perceptions comes behavior it's a real simple thing your perceptions become your behavior and you go one step back where do your perceptions come from they come from information received so if you control the information the constant narrative um, and most people just believe it because that's all they hear repetition is the wonderful magnificent form of mind control you control the information 
you overwhelmingly control perception among those that don't question. And from perception, you control um, behavior. And what they're manipulating now, as they do all the time, but here is a wonderful, um, potent example of it, is they're manipulating this, what appears to be this innate human trait of fear of death, which is an expression of another innate human trait, which is fear of the unknown. So um, the reptilian brain at the back of the brain is, um, it's a survival mechanism along with other parts of the brain, but this is a big one, the reptilian brain at the back. And the reptilian brain doesn't think, it reacts. Um, and it's constantly scanning the environment for threats to survival. Not just threats to life, threats to your job, threats to your relationship, threats to everything. And this kind of background anxiety that people feel, a lot of it is, is, comes from here. And if you're, if you're driving your car and someone walks in front of your car, what bangs the brakes on is the reptilian brain because it doesn't think. It reacts far quicker than the thinking processes react. I mean, when someone walks in front of your car, you're not going to say, oh, do you think I should stop? What do you think, dear? Bang! Now, that's great, and it's part of the survival mechanism. But when the reptilian brain survival mechanism starts impacting upon general life, then all hell breaks loose, chaos breaks loose. And, and give you two examples of it. Panic buying. Panic buying is the survival mechanism kicking in. And um, wh when that kicks in and it's not kept under control, it perceives its survival to be the only thing that matters. So if I have to survive and you don't for me to survive, well, fair enough, because I've got to survive. This is panic buying. I mean, we've had, we've had fights in supermarket aisles over toilet rolls. You know, you run out of toilet rolls, use the morning papers. What could be more appropriate? You can't wipe your ass with the BBC and CNN, unfortunately, but if you could, you should. And so this panic buying is this survival mechanism kicking in. And something else comes from that. The survival mechanism will agree to anything, no matter how draconian and how fascistic, so long as it perceives it will aid its survival. So what a pandemic does, what they call a pandemic, that was declared by Ted Ross at the World Health Organization anyway, what a pandemic does is um, it kicks in this survival mechanism and it means that not only will you accept authority imposing tyranny, you will demand that authority imposes tyranny and something else. Tell you what one of the punchlines of this virus is, it's the bloody vaccine. You know, very early on after this virus started, I read a report about a um, an Israeli government minister saying we're, we're, we're far ahead of anyone else in developing a vaccine. 
oh really, I thought this is interesting. And it turns out that um, from 2016, this scientific uh, organization in uh, Israel, which is all connected to the government like they all are, had been um, uh, using coronavirus to test its technology. And so because of that, it's further along the, the road, it says, to developing a vaccine. And one of the scientists said, it was pure luck that, that, that we, we, we chose that. Well, some may believe that. And some of us may say, well, I think I'll hold on that one, thanks. And then when you've got all these other areas of the world where they're developing a vaccine. We have already had Denmark announce that any vaccine for coronavirus will be mandatory. Now, if you can give me a better definition of fascism than the state telling you what will go into your body, then I'd like to bloody hear it. They don't even know what the vaccine is, but it's, it's mandatory. Now, this is going to expand. It's just a coincidence, Brian, that in the period up to this, more and more pressure for mandatory vaccinations of other kinds have been appearing in America. We've got this um, health secretary in, uh, in Britain saying he's minded to consider it. What do you mean you're minded to consider it? You'll be in another ministry uh, uh, shortly. You were in another one not long ago. It's your civil service permanent government that's actually uh, pressing for it. You're just the front man. So you've had all this period of pressing for mandatory vaccinations. And when this um, vaccination for, uh, um, for this virus comes up, there is going to be enormous pressure to make it compulsory. And people with a brain who say, hold on a minute. What if that's the only cure? Well, is it a cure? Who decides know. that? I don't know. Who what? decides that? A scientist might. Oh, God, science. But science isn't always wrong. No, but science For smallpox, is, sci science, science, science is massively wrong okay. with, with the benefit of, of hindsight. Some I mean, vaccines I mean, work. Smallpox vaccine. Just, just look at the problem reaction solution. You want to introduce a vaccine. What is in the vaccine? Uh, what we're not told is in it or, or whatever. Um, we don't know. But, whoa, oh, we're all going to die. Vaccinate me. Don't even think about it. Survival mechanism. The, but what if that if is the only solution? Well, who decides that it's the only solution? My, my children, my, my boys, have not been vaccinated once in their life. They didn't have chi uh, childhood diseases. Their immune systems are on fire because they weren't compromised by a tidal wave of toxic shite while their immune systems were still developing. Do you know something? In the 1980s, the uh, Congress gave immunity from prosecution to the drug companies for vaccines. And you know why they, they, they this was in the official um, documentation. The reason they said they gave them immunity from prosecution, so now in America there is a vaccine court, which has already paid out something like $42 billion for vaccine injuries, and the bar to prove that is very high. It's now paid by the taxpayer. And so the drug companies have no economic consequences for damaging vaccinations. 
And the, I think they're I, trying to get drug companies to consider creating vaccines because they're not economically profitable. Hold on. What, what, not economically profitable? My mm -hmm. goodness me. Have you seen the profits of drug companies? Yeah, because Listen, they have regular yeah, medicine. But the point right. is, the point is that the reason they said we must give immunity is because they said um, vaccines are innately unsafe and cannot be made not to be, thus we're going to give you immunity so you'll continue making them. Because at that point, before that legislation came in, uh, the drug companies were facing a, a, a massive number of lawsuits for vaccine um, injuries. Now, you know what's happened since that legislation in 1986? The number of vaccines and the different kinds of vaccines have absolutely exploded. Why? Because there's no consequence anymore. And, and, and if you look at the statistics, if you vaccinate a large number of people, you are going to have major life-changing implications for a number of those people. So what mandatory vaccinations are saying is, we are going to insist by law that your children are vaccinated and we know by doing that that some of them who wouldn't otherwise have been vaccinated are going to take the consequences. Right, because it's for the greater good. Oh, opinion. the greater okay. good. They so. couldn't care less about the greater good. Can we just understand that? And then we might get some kind of grasp on how this world is run. They don't care about us. They use the excuse of caring about us to justify what they want to do. It's as simple as that. Now they're using the elderly to, to, to shut down the economic system as an excuse involving uh, uh, people who economically uh, will be absolutely destroyed already, never mind as it goes on. Okay. Let me ask you about a few other things. I want to get to the technology in China because it's a very interesting point. Okay. Trump, I look at Trump and I look at a guy doesn't make sense how he's behaving because it's in his interest to see the economy do well, to see the stock market go up because that's how he's going to get reelected. And yet I see him right now locking down an entire country which is sure to drop the markets, kill business and potentially kill his reelection. So why would he buy into something like this? Well, we come back to something I've been chatting with you about all these times. He's a front man. There's a permanent government. You see, this cult controls the permanent government. There's a permanent government in every country, and globally there's a permanent government. It's what I mean. You've got the politicians, whether it's a president from the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, whether it's Labour, goodness knows, Labour, when they're going to do it again, if ever, uh, and Conservatives. And you have the rosettes coming and going, coming and going, coming and going here today, gone tomorrow. But the permanent government is always there. This is um, the cult controlling that government via secret societies, through the financial system, through the intelligence agencies, through the upper echelons of the military, through government um, uh, administration, and what has become known now as the deep state. And that is always there. George Bush comes, Republican. Obama comes, Democrat. Uh, um, Trump comes, Republican. 
Come, gone, come, gone. Permanent government, always there. Same in this country, same everywhere. Prime ministers come and go, permanent government, always there. And that's why, overwhelmingly, when you look at the long-term direction of the world, it doesn't change because the permanent government is driving that direction and the here today gone tomorrow politicians are are there to give the illusion of democracy the illusion of people deciding who governs them see we have a European Parliament for one reason and one reason only to say that the European Union is democratic it's a tyranny a bureaucratic tyranny. And what is a bureaucratic tyranny? It's a technocracy. The European Union, controlled by bureaucrats, is how the world is meant to be under this technocracy, Hunger Games society. Um, and so someone like Trump will only have so much maneuver. And, and he will come under tremendous pressure anyway from people around him that, you know, the consequences of you not doing this, oh my goodness me, how will you be remembered? You see, I look at, I look at Boris Johnson and I, I see his body language and I've seen one or two of the things he said. I don't think personally that, that Boris Johnson is totally convinced that all this is necessary. No, he's not. He's absolutely not. But what's happened is the pressure on him from the permanent government is to do it anyway. And they work in ways that he might not even understand oh, that yeah. it's working on him. It's not like they kick him in the room and say, you're gonna do this no, now. No, it's, 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 it's pressures it, and how are you gonna it, be remembered? It's pressure and, and, and it's also manipulative. I mean, you know, older people watching this will remember Yes Minister, Yes Prime Minister, which was a, a comedy series about a Prime Minister and, and his civil servants. You know, the, the sad thing about those programs is that they were absolutely true. They were written by someone who knew, who worked in that whole area. Uh, and so there's so many ways that you can, uh, you can manipulate the politicians and you can, you can basically uh, paint them into corners. And th they are brilliant at this manipulation. So, um, uh, you know, and, uh, like we said earlier, once this thing gets the momentum, it takes on a life of its own. And the fear, it's and just The fear, it, the fear. And, and everyone is scared now because they can't see this thing. They can't understand this thing. We can get our heads around war. Maybe we can get our heads around a nuclear weapon, but you can't get your head around this. So it scares you more and you can manipulate people's minds with this thing. Of course you can. Better than anything. There's no better way of manipulating perception than to trigger the survival mechanism. There's none greater. And so what you're going to have, coming around to what I was saying, is you're going to have pressure from those who have their survival mechanism triggered um, for governments to make the vaccine compulsory. And, um, and people who will not have it are going to be demonized and vilified, just as people who won't have their children vaccinated now are, are, are doing so. And you know, when they, when they say this, there's been this outbreak, it's the anti-vaxxers, they never tell us how many people or how many kids or whatever who've got some disease, like measles or whatever, they never tell us how many have been vaccinated and how many haven't. My, my boys 
mates at school were getting diseases they had been vaccinated for. My boys who were not vaccinated were not getting them. Okay. Discuss. All right, to discuss. Right? Let's talk about technology and what they're doing in China and Singapore and South Korea. Because the news has been telling us that the cases are dropping massively in China, that Singapore has it under control. I read a whole article last night about how they're tracking everyone with their technology. They're using their mobile phones to find out who they had contact with, hunting those people down and quarantining them. And now they are saying it's a success. South Korea cases dropped, Chinese cases dropped. But they're also saying the Western civilization would never allow this type of intrusive stuff into oh their information. Oh my God. What no, do you see, No, David? no, just let me, let me just intervene there for a second. Okay. You have just said virtually word for word what was in the Rockefeller Foundation document in 2010 detailing a pandemic scenario based on a flu vaccine. They said, I think I mentioned it kind of in passing earlier, they said China imposed draconian measures and was then praised for doing so, but the West lagged behind because of this thing called freedom and democracy. And, uh, but eventually the West caught up and became also draconian. So what, what we're, it, it's, it's deja vu from the Rockefeller document and from um, the um, event 201 of the Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum 1%. It's a scenario. It's a script, and Brian. So, yes, I understand what you're saying. So people that don't know, what is this technology in China? Explain how it works and how they track people and how it's become surprisingly even more draconian than it was, because I don't think a lot of people know this. Well, um, I've been saying for decades, if you want to know what is planned for the West tomorrow, look at China today. It's no accident that, that China is right at the center of this whole outbreak, which has gone on to create all this. This is how it works in China. They have millions of face recognition cameras in their cities, gathering uh, in number all the time. And so as you're walking down the street, you are able to be um, tracked and identified literally in minutes. There have been documentaries uh, that have um, put someone on the street. Uh, and, um, and the technology has um, been challenged to track them and find them. It's taken minutes, gotcha. Um, and, and so what they're doing, and remember, this is what's planned for the West, and this is why the, the crazies and the psychopaths in Silicon Valley are so close to China, if the truth be told. You are so tracked in detail in China, that they know everything you do all the time. And AI is logging your behavior. And they have something called the social credit system. And when you act in ways that are acceptable to the state, you get credits, social credits. When you act in ways that the state doesn't want you to behave, you get credits taken away. And when you fall below a certain level, consequences kick in. How many people know that millions of Chinese people have been banned from flying? 
Millions of Chinese people have been banned from going on trains because their social credit score has fallen below the um, acceptable level. And this is what is possible once you have AI uh, able to track you in detail, minute by minute, in real time, which is what they have in China. What is China? It's a technocracy. That's what it is. And if you look at China today, that's supposed to be the world tomorrow. Because this economic, um, viral, whatever you want to call it, war, for want of a term, China's meant to win, win it. And I don't mean the Chinese regime. And I don't mean, certainly don't mean the Chinese people. I mean the Chinese model. The Chinese structure of society and its authoritarian imposition and AI technocracy, minute by minute, real-time tracking of the population, that is exactly what I've been describing is planned for the world for 30 years. And, you know, um, they laughed at me. They laughed at me in almost historic um, amounts and numbers. Well, I wonder how many um, who laughed then are still laughing now. Because, you know, people, people can say that Ike's mad, that's that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what they can't, what they can't deny is what I've been writing for 30 years is happening all around them now. And it is a, 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 a simple equation. The more you, you grasp power, at the center, the more you centralize power. And what is more example of centralized power than what's happening now? Once you centralize power, you have more power to centralize even quicker. And so the speed of centralization of power gets faster and faster, which is exactly what's happened year on year on year on year on decade after decade. And the idea is that we have a world government, a world army, this military police uh, state imposing the will of the world government, um, a world uh, currency, a world central bank dictating all finance, and a human population connected to AI, so AI becomes the human uh, mind. And um, this world government is not meant to be elected. They are appointees think the European Commission. That's the basic blueprint of it, because technocracies do not do democracy. Now, what is being targeted all over the world? Democracy. The, 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 these cult organizations um, have been, just by coincidence, nothing to worry about, have been doing massive polls around the world, involving tens of thousands of people, asking them, if you still believe democracy is the best way to run a society. And the numbers are coming down all the time. Whether they're manipulating it, I don't know, who knows, but they're coming down all the time. And, and the more you have incompetent politicians and corrupt politicians, which the cult loves, because on one level, it is demolishing trust of the public in the democratic um, process. And, and what's basically happening, Brian, with this coronavirus, if you think about it,
is that the democratic process has been suspended. It's bureaucrats and technocrats and small groups of politicians that are dictating this all over the world. No one's having a vote on it. No one's having a referendum on it. No. And so in, te- in China, they've said the technology is what kept people from dying. Look at this great model. Same in South Korea, same in Singapore. And I mean, the cases are tiny, like tiny. It's, it doesn't even make sense to me how China could be the epicenter, and now they only have 23 new cases. And yeah. it's, most of those are foreign. Like, those numbers don't make sense to me. Oh, uh, well, and, maybe, and, maybe they're not true. And then let me say one more thing. I, I, imagine this, David. Today, Trump comes out and says, to save American lives, I've decided in your safety to use all of your mobile phones to track the people that have got Israel's just done it. Have they? Israel's just changed the law so they can legally track their population through the mobile phones. I think I saw that. Now, what if Trump came out and said this to Americans and said, in your safety to save our population, I have to do a federal order and track everyone's data from now on and where you're going in order to make sure you don't kill the old people and all of that stuff. Most people, David, in the current state of fear would say, thank you, sir. Save me, save me. And like you me. said, for the people that, that refuse to do it, they would vilify them yeah. because you're the one that's gonna yeah. kill my grandma and do all that stuff. I'm, I'm already seeing- that's scary. I'm, I'm already seeing articles uh, by academics, um, not least in America, saying if people aren't vaccinated, they should never be allowed to fly. You know, so, when something is being so pushed by a system that couldn't give a damn about the health of the population, look at all the crap in food that is legally allowed, never should be, and all these other things. Um, look at the pharmaceutical cartel, Big Pharma. The third biggest cause of death in the United States is the frickin' treatment after heart disease and cancer. They care about the health of the population. How does Big Pharma get its money? By the population being sick. And I'll tell you what, Brian, I will take this system seriously. I will, I will think, oh, well, maybe they do care a little bit. When they come out, mainstream everything, mainstream medicine, and say, here is how you boost and strengthen your immune system. Vitamin A, vitamin D3, vitamin C, something to uh, uh, boost the thyroid uh, function, which produces vitamin A. Uh, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's get the immune system uh, going. What are they saying instead? Oh, it's weakened immune systems that why people are dying. Okay, so what are you telling them about how to boost their immune system? Well, they're not. Because first of all, even on a purely financial level, in terms of big pharma, what would a strong immune system in the population in general do? Their profits would absolutely frickin' plummet because it's weakened immune systems that are um, their, their profit margin. And, and, you know, some doctors who actually have sussed it are pointing out, you know, that it's not, um, it's not the virus that's killing people. It's their immune system is killing them. Because it works like this. 
If you've got a strong immune system, the different levels of the immune system, it's very complex and you know, mainstream medicine doesn't understand it yet. It, honest people within it will actually agree with that. So it's making decisions on vaccines and all this stuff. It doesn't even understand the immune system and how it works. Anyway, th there are different levels of it. So you get a virus, the first level will meet it, then the second level will meet it, which, which is much more specific to that virus. This is the level that um, creates the, um, the reaction that's absolutely encoded to meet that particular threat. And at that point, gone. This is why 80% of people have mild um, symptoms, because this, this is what's happening. You get a mild fever, yes, because the, the immune system's using heat to kill the virus. Uh, it's like throwing up. The, that's the immune system getting rid of something before it does real damage to the body. But when your immune system is compromised through lack of nutrients, shit food, and all the rest of it, these, these um, levels of the immune system can't cope, especially if you are uh, um, someone who has other health problems because the immune system's already kind of working flat out on that. So what happens then when they fail is the immune system in effect panics and it unleashes something called a cytokine storm. And um, this is, are subs a, 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 a substance that is released by the cells and it is the equivalent of a machine gun firing in all directions because it's desperate. And I'll, I'll give you an analogy of what I mean. An intruder breaks into a house. The homeowner is fighting to deal with the intruder. The intruder's winning. The homeowner's losing. And it's, it, it's getting desperate. He's getting desperate. So he grabs a gun. And he's so panicked, he's shooting in every direction and shoots at himself. So what this um, cytokine uh, storm does is unleash this tidal wave of reaction. And it is so, um, it is so powerful and so unfocused that it attacks its own body and kills its, the body. And you know something, with a coronavirus, when there's a um, cytokine storm, you know what it attacks? The lungs. And it causes inflammation and gunge in the lungs as a result of that attack. And what are people dying of coronavirus, the elderly and with other health problems? They're dying of respiratory um problems. And pneumonia. Yeah, and pneumonia. That's another thing. If you read the consequences of a cytokine storm on a coronavirus, it leads to um, attacks on the lungs, which leads to pneumonia. So as these doctors who are, you know, prepared to tell the truth are pointing out, it's weakened immune systems that, that are causing people to die. So why isn't the system blasting out in all directions everything you need to do to boost your immune system? Because they care about old people, you see. What do we do, David? What do we do right now? What does the average citizen do 
who's watching this right now or who thinks something's funny is going on. I mean, look, I'm walking around London right now and there's nobody here. No. I had an entire tube train to myself on the way in. Mm-hmm. I've been coming to work, I've been going to the gym, I've been shaking hands. I don't see why troops need to be in this city because no one's going out, no one's gathering in groups, everyone's staying at home. What are troops gonna do? Are they gonna make it 1% less uh, social distance? It doesn't make sense they're doing this here or in New York City or anywhere else. What is it doing? Setting a precedent. It's setting a precedent. Setting a getting precedent. me used to having military around yeah. and getting me more scared and trusting psychological, the process more. Psychological. It doesn't make sense. And I, I agree that I don't know everything, but there's been some things here, David, and I put out some videos about them, and I'm not the dumbest guy in the room. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but something, some things don't make sense to me. No, and, and the reason they don't make sense is, is it's, it's all a scam to create an outcome. Uh, I, I came over here um, from Waterloo Station today uh, uh, in a cab, and that guy was telling me he had sat in the line today for four hours before I turned up outside a major British London railway station. And how are people going to survive? How are they going to do it? And when you are in desperate straits, then you will accept things changing if you are persuaded to believe that they will improve your desperate straits, i.e. we need a whole new economic uh, uh, system. Tell you something else. As AI takes over more and more jobs, on top of all this lost employment that's happening now around the world, um, the question is raised, so how are people going to live? And what's being suggested is a guaranteed income, which, I mean, I've believed since I was a kid that in any civilized society, there should not, there should be a level below which people should not fall. There should be a level, I think it's higher than it, and I absolutely, absolutely think it's higher than it, than it is. So, I, I um, on that basis, would say, well, yeah, a guaranteed income, not, not a guaranteed outcome, because that's just a race to the bottom and everything will fall apart without incentive. Not a guaranteed outcome, but a guaranteed income, so you can't fall below a certain level. But that's not what this is about. It's about taking away all the job opportunities through AI and things that are happening now, saying, oh, well, we're now now going to give you a guaranteed income. Oh, well, yeah, it's going to be very small, and it's going to be so small that you will be permanently in the bottom levels of the Hunger Games society. Oh, and by the way, and this is the key, oh, by the way, thinking of the social credit system in China, you only get the income if you live your life as we say you should live your life. That's the key. So what you're now getting, and again, you know, every, every box is ticked. You're now saying, well, we're going to give some money out to people uh, because of this, these desperate straits they're in. And you're starting to set the precedent again. It's all psychological, step by step, totalitarian tiptoe. You're starting this, this perception of the, moving towards this guaranteed income which will be guaranteed control. 
Uh, they, and they announced yesterday, British government, 330 billion pounds. A chunk of that is these loans to these yeah. small businesses, very small, even like 3,000 pounds or here and there. They're gonna do the same in the States, I'm sure. Yeah. Again, and it seemed weird to me. I get the government loaning me this money or giving me this money. It's a form of control. It's absolutely a form of control and also because the, if the economic system is shite anyway, it's, it's not going to last. It's loans. Yeah. So you have to pay them back. Right. And if, <laughs> uh, and, and if your business is destroyed, what are you going to pay them back with? Yeah. Yeah. We are, we are watching the un global unfolding of exactly what I've been writing about for 30 years. You know, I, I, and I look around and it's like, you know, pinch myself. Oh, ouch, it's true. This is, this, is, this is what's happening now. And some of it might be rolled back, like I said earlier, but it won't be rolled back to anything like where it started out before this, this came along. Th 30 days ago, you put out some videos. Did you think it was gonna be like this a month ago? Because you were talking with, with, with uh, I think Jamie or Gareth? Gareth, 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 yeah. And you were saying, look, I don't know if this is gonna be a big pandemic or it might just go away. You said, I hope it goes away. And you're like, we're going to see what's going to happen. And you even said, this is February 28th. You said, we're going to do another one in a month from now and talk about what happens. Yeah. And that was 20 days ago, not that long ago. And now look what's happened. We're yeah. talking about locking down cities with military. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've seen in parts of the alternative media um, people talking about the fact that this is, um, this is a genocidal pandemic to, 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 to wipe out vast numbers of humanity. Um, well, that will only happen if there is a dramatic um, mutation of this virus. Because at the moment, that is not what it's doing. What it's doing is creating the circumstances of fear to justify the solution, which is exactly the solution I've been describing for 30 years. And if people think that is a coincidence, then they need a... Um, they need a, a life membership of Naivety Anonymous, really, because it's now in your face. And we need, to we need to face it. And more than anything, Brian, people need to stay frickin' calm. Because unless you're whacking your brakes on when someone walks in front of your car, panic is of no benefit. It never is. It's always a downside. We need to stay calm and um, not um, allow this survival mechanism to be triggered so comprehensively, uh, comprehensively that it absolutely dominates all daily perception. Instead of being a, a fight or flight reaction for a second, it becomes a state of perception, constant fear, and fear always looks outside of itself for what it believes will protect it from what it fears. And uh, this whole cult uh, technique through the ages has been frighten, change, frighten, change, frighten, change. The, um, the technique of creative destruction you, wars are classic creative destruction uh, um, events. You destroy the status quo as they're destroying this one now. You then, a bit further along the line, you have another reason to fear 
which transforms that status quo. And with each change of status quo, you're going closer and closer to the Hunger Games society that's been the plan all along. And if we grasp this and we stay calm and we don't fall into this terror of the unknown, then we can start pushing back on this simply by refusing to cooperate, refusing to cooperate with our own um, enslavement. A few can only enslave billions if the billions acquiesce. And through fear of death and fear of this and fear of that, fear of the virus, billions are acquiescing to the few. That's what happens when um, this survival mechanism is triggered. And we need to go beyond it, to go beyond it, not fall into that and look at things dispassionately, calmly, and we'll see what ah, we'll never see. And then we've got a chance. I find it fascinating that you say to remain calm because that's what a cult says is the opposite of what you should do. A cult says, look out for them, look out for them. We got to, ah, that's what they want to do because it gets you to follow their agenda. Yeah, exactly. And you're saying the opposite. It wants you to panic. It wants you to be in fear. Um, and uh, what, what, what creates fear more than this? What's going on now? What can we expect to happen in the next few days, in the next few weeks, in the next months? I mean, there's a playbook coming here. Yeah. And what's it going to look like? Because the more we can expect what's going to happen, I think it would help people prepare to remain calm and to know when they can say, maybe I don't want to do this. Well, I think we should be saying that now, frankly. Like I say, we should do everything to protect those that are vulnerable to this virus. But the, other, the, the rest of it, we should be carrying on in every way possible. Um, otherwise, there's going to be nothing left at the end of it. It's going to be a nightmare scenario. Where, where will this go from here? This is my view. The question is, at what point does this cult behind all this think that it has got what it wants? At what point does it think the economic system is so damaged that another one has to replace it and people will be open, open to that because of the catastrophic nature of, of, of how things are? Have we got far enough in this that people will accept um, more tracking, more control? Um, have we got far enough that the imposition of a vaccine, even on those that don't want it, um, will have so much public support that it will be very diff difficult to resist? These are the questions that will answer the other questions of where this is going. Where it is going and how extreme it becomes will be dictated by how far they think they have to go to get the solutions that they want to take us further and further closer to this Hunger Games society. They are the decisions and the, um, the, uh, the way that they think. And um, what happens to humanity is irrelevant to these people. I'll tell you, having tracked these people for 30 years, 
They make a run-of-the-mill psychopath look like Mary Bloody Poppins. We're not dealing with, with, um, we're not dealing with people that have even a smear of empathy. So the idea, oh, we're going to protect old people, oh, please. So this, this is what the, the decisions they'll make. Have we, have we reached a situation now, have we made it so extreme that we can now get what we want? And when they think that, that we've reached that point, then things will change. The subcommunication I'm seeing from all of the officials is this is going on for a long time. They're saying 15 days in America, which is going to be extended. They're talking months and months and months. They're mentioning things like July and August of when this might stop, which is yeah. a long time from now. What are you describing? The totalitarian tiptoe? Oh, it'll be, uh, we're stopping everything till uh, uh, April the 3rd. Oh, blimey, April the 3rd? Bloody hell, what am I, go am I going to earn a living? Oh, no, it's now May. What? My living's over. Oh, no, now it's June. This, this is the totalitarian tiptoe. And like I say, when they reach the point that they think, well, we've got to a point now where we're going to be able to get everything we want out of this, then you'll see it flatline. I don't think we can understate the economic implications of what's going on right oh. now. And I think a lot of people say, um, especially if, if they don't have a ton of money, they said, oh, that's just the rich, that's just money, money's not important as your health. But if you take everyone's capital away, it strains the health and it strains the whole system to where there's a lot more damage that can happen than 10,000, 100,000, and 200,000 people dying. It can be much, much worse and have massive generational implications. Yeah. And what they're doing now, I've never seen anything like this. Um, they were in, and, then the, and the New York Times read some numbers about after 9-11, um, the dips in GDP, the dips in spending, it was minuscule. And yet now you've got everything shut down. I mean, we've never seen anything like this, even like a wartime scenario of the economy just completely going into a vacuum and everyone's going to feel it and it's going to cause for irrationality everywhere. And the deaths, like you say, is going to be a blip of the problems yeah. we're having. And, and then, then what comes from that? Yeah. The law of the jungle. That's what happens when people get desperate. Um, and all these things, I've been well, in they, my books for years. That is some of that all, happening to convince everybody of this new economic system you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, and also, of course, um, if you start getting... Um, violent reactions and, um, you know, crime because of desperate people who, who I, I, I don't know what, where, how they're going to survive, what does that do? It justifies more and more police state to, you know, protect the people. See, this is why, Brian, I, I've emphasized this a number of times today. Please, they do not give a shit about you. So, when they tell you they do, there's a reason for it, and it's not for your benefit. Because if they give a shit about you, you would not be in the situation you're in. The world would not be as it is. You wouldn't have something like six people have as, as much wealth as the poorest half of the population if they gave a shit about you. So when they tell you they do, they're lying, and they're lying for a reason, to get something as a result of you believing that they actually are trying to protect you. They're not trying to protect old people. They couldn't give a damn. They, they, they don't want old people. They, 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 it's in their documents over the years. They don't want old people. 
Because old, old people, oh no, they can't serve the system anymore. So what, well, what, what did Kissinger call them? Useless eaters. That's what he called them. And, and that's how they perceive them. And now we're supposed to believe that they, this is all um, to protect them. Oh, please, do me a favour. We, we, you know, we, need to, we need to wake up to the fact that something beyond frickin' evil is running this world. I've been trying to get this out for, for all, all these years, but, and I, I do understand why. Because people do not have in their lives in general experience of undiluted evil that has no empathy and no compassion and no emotional consequence for anything it does. When you don't have that in your life, and most people don't, it's very difficult to grasp the scale of evil that's running this world. And the idea that they are trying to protect us by taking our freedom away is such a joke, it's unbelievable. If people don't like that, well, they can do the other thing. I don't mind. I had a flashback when I was coming into work this morning, and I just thought, what was it like in Germany in, say, 39, where all of a sudden all these rights are being taken away? And I was like, it must have been weird in this state. And I always used to wonder, why didn't everybody leave? But you've got your family there and your businesses and your properties there, so you put up with a little more, and you put up a little more, and then they vilify this group over here, and I was, I don't know, and I don't think about this stuff that often. I'm not a history buff, but it just snapped in my mind, and I was just like, what's going on here? Um, David, a lot of people will listen to us today and go away really depressed and really down and not see any type of future. I know you don't like leaving people that way. So what is something people can go away with a positive note? What's something they can focus on? Are we going to get through this? Well, I've, I've just finished a book, um, which is going to come out next few months. Um, which is all about what we can do. Um, and, you know, there, there's, many, there's many elements to it, although there's, there's, there's an absolute core to it. And one of the things, one of the key things we need to do, I, I would say, is to change our self-identity. If you identify as your name, your life story, your race, your religion, your background, whatever. You are identifying with a set of labels that are transitory and are incredibly brief. And those set of labels are not you. They are what you are experiencing. I am not David I. I am a point of attention which can be myopic or vast within an infinite um, stream of consciousness. And you are a point of attention in that same consciousness that observes reality from a different point of view. We are all points of attention in that same one consciousness, which is what, what why... Um, Racism is so ludicrous. And if you self-identify with your labels as the I, the total I, then you see the world in a certain way, and it can be very frightening. Um, but when you self-identify as I am eternal, infinite awareness having this experience, and when I leave the body, 
which is just a way that, that the body focuses our attention within a tiny band of frequency. And when we leave the body, our attention expands far as we want it to because that attention is no longer being focused through the body, through the five senses. And we go on experiencing and exploring forever, forever. This is a brief experience for a point of eternal consciousness that we give a name to. And when you observe the world from that perspective, which is where I've been coming from for a, a long time now, it's not so frightening. And you, you have the ability to connect dots because you're seeing things from a panorama and not a myopia. And from my, myopia can seem very, very fearful, but from the panorama, it's just another experience. And one of the things I go into in the book, and we'll, we'll, we'll chat about this when it comes out, I'm sure, is um, our perceptions, and it can be explained very simply how this works, our perceptions become our experience. And if you fall into fear of something, everything that we everything in this reality, everything, even the coronavirus, is a frequency. Every thought is a frequency. Fear is a frequency. It's a different frequency to love. It's a different frequency to joy. And we live in this sea of frequency, of possibility and probability. And it's like, it's like being a computer that is living in a Wi-Fi sea. And within that Wi-Fi sea is everything on the internet. And so potentially you can put anything on the internet on your screen, your experience. But our perceptions are also frequencies. And so if we are in a frequency of fear and we are generating that frequency, that field, that electromagnetic field, we are going to make a symbiotic frequency connection with like frequencies. And what we do is we draw to us as an experience what we fear. And all the time, you know, people say, you know, this is always happening to me. Hey, Ethel, it's happened again. Why? Why do certain things keep repeating in people's lives but not repeat in others? Because what they're putting out as perception, which is a frequency field, is drawing towards them in a, a, like a magnetic, um, uh, a, a magnetic phenomenon. It's drawing to them what they're putting out. Um, and so... If you, if you fall into um, fearing something, the likelihood of that becoming your experience is massively increased. I, 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 I've, I've experimented with this through my life. Um, and, you know, I, I, um, had, um, I had very serious rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, I remember on one occasion, I was trying to walk through Terminal 5 at Heathrow Airport, and literally, I was shuffling my feet. I had no shoes on. I was shuffling my feet along towards the plane because I couldn't even lift my legs. I don't have that now. I, I, I have no pain. 
Um, I have, I, I, it doesn't affect my life in any way. And the difference is, I changed my perception. See, when, why is it that so many people die within the period that the doctor tells them they have to live? How long have I got, doctor? Six months. They die in six months, uh, over and over and over again. And you know something? People have been told they have a fatal disease. The doctor has given them a prognosis, you have so long to live, and they've died. And when they've done the post-mortem, they didn't have the fatal disease. Because the mind is all-powerful. It's constantly creating our reality. Its perceptions are constantly becoming our experience. And um, so I decided that um, if, my, if my reality was being controlled by my perceptions, then my perception is this arthritis is not going to trouble me anymore and it's not going to progress and it's not going to have me in a wheelchair and, and wizened up. And that's exactly what's happened. No drugs, no doctor. That's exactly what's happened. And everybody has the power to use their mind to dictate their own reality. Why is it that this cult, this system, is so desperate to control human perception? Because it knows human perception becomes human experience. And if we fall into states of fear, we are going to manifest fear, the reasons to fear all around us. But if we take our minds back, we take our consciousness back, we can create a different reality. Because what is human society? It's the sum total of human perception. Human perception changes, human society must change because it's just a reflection of the sum total of human perception. We love each other, we live in a loving world. We hate each other, we live in a world of hate. We fear, we live in a world of fear. We are in control. They've just persuaded us we're not. I'm so excited for this new book. And the message you just said, I've heard from some of the greatest minds that have ever sat in that chair, especially ones that have been around for a little while. <laughs> they come to the same conclusion as you have, that we are, we are what we believe, and the energy we put out there is what we get back. Exactly. This book is all about that in a very accessible way because... They say the more, the more you know, the more you know there is to know. Well, yeah, on one level that's right. But there's another way, the more you know, the more you realize how little there is to actually know to take control of your life and your life experience. And so much of the complexity hides these simple, sparkling truths. Genius... This is, this is the misunderstanding of the academic intellectual mind. It perceives understanding complexity as intelligence and cleverness when genius is seeing the simple hidden by complexity. And in the end, when you get down to the core, 
We are what we perceive. Change what you perceive and you'll change what you experience. And that applies to right now almost even more. Absolutely. Because if I'm not in fear, if I'm not worried about this stuff, then I don't react to it. I might have a friend of mine who said, Brian, I don't see you running to the store and buying these things worried about this. me. I, I was like, well, I'll just fast or I'll just do this. And actually, I, I've come to a point where um, I'm probably more ready to die than I've ever been in my life because I feel like I've done a lot of things I need to do. And I'm, I don't want to die, but I'm to a point where I'm not always reacting in fear. And I'm trying to think of things from different planes of thought. Yeah. Um, and that makes me feel very in power and control and calm. But you see, when you move your self-identity to I am an infinite point of attention within an infinite s state of consciousness, what does that immediately do? It deletes the fear of death. What is, what is death? It's a withdrawing of our point of attention. That's all death is. It's a transfer of our point of attention. That's all it is. So there's nothing to fear. And once you let go of fear of death, so many things that you are able to be manipulated through that fear of death go. You can't manipulate anymore. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown? Well, I like surprises. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I mean, just... It's, it completely transforms everything when you... When you re-self-identify with the I. And fear of death is the first one to go. And I, I'm the same as you. Um, I don't, I don't want to leave here until I've done everything I can do to contribute. And I think I'm going to be around for a long time. Uh, and to, in, in so many ways, and I explain this in the book, we, we can dictate how long we're around. Again, you know, you know if, 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 the, if the mind can transform uh, rheumatoid arthritis, which, which should have had me in a wheelchair by now, but hasn't and won't, then it can transform anything, including the nature of life. You know, we can, I explain in the book how you can think yourself alive and you can think yourself dead. Um, so I, 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 I'm going to stay around and make the best contribution I can. But when I go, I will be, yes. Do we want to stay in this myopia band of frequency forever. Are you having a laugh? What a nightmare. Um, so it's just an experience. And then we move on and experience the infinity of forever. I mean, oh, I'm terrified. Coronavirus. Oh, gold, we're all going to die. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, final thoughts, David, on everything we talked about today. The virus, the lockdown, the recession, just anything. Well, I, you know, I, I, would, I would just say what I said earlier in terms of if you want to understand the world, find out where we're being taken, what the goal is, and then the world just opens up. Oh, so that's why they're doing that. Oh, so that's why that's happening. Instead of what's happening, what's happening? Oh, what are they doing that for? It becomes so clear. And what, what you do is then you take control of your perception because it's very difficult to manipulate people, impossible to manipulate people when you understand the game. Because, 
how does problem reaction solution manipulate you when you understand how it works? How does the totalitarian tiptoe manipulate you when you understand how it works? Know the game and, um, and you can win the game instead of being a victim of the game, which is what's happened up to this point. And that's good advice to anyone watching. Know the game and you can win the game. Remain calm, separate you from yourself, understand your infinite consciousness, and then make your decision. Yeah, just, just stay calm. We are an infinite point of eternal consciousness on an eternal journey of exploring all possibility. That's as bad as it gets. This is just an experience. We can make it a nice experience, or we can make it an unpleasant experience. We have the power to choose. And it's about time we realize that, because when enough people do, this cult is history. And what a great time for us to realize this. This could be a great catalyst for realization. Oh, too. I think it is, Brian. I mean, you know, I, I, we, need to, we need to appreciate the difference between those that control the microphones and so many people, not all by any means, but so many people and gathering in number who don't get to the microphones. You, 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 you see the, the activists and the climate cult activists and the coronavirus activists and the frickin' transgender activists and all that, and the politically correct activists. And, uh, and then you talk to the public and you see a completely different perception to that. But because they dominate the microphones, as of course they do because that's the agenda, people um, can get the impression that that's what the population thinks. It doesn't, it doesn't. My father used to say, the silent majority is silent because it's got nothing to say. It's time for the silent majority to speak. And when we do, things will change, but not until. And that's something you said in the last episode or the episode before. You said for people should always feel free to say how they feel. That's the most important thing. You shouldn't feel like you can't say how you feel. You should say how you feel. It simply comes to self-respect. I ask people, what are you doing allowing someone else to tell you what to think? to tell you what you can say, to tell you what you can believe. What are you doing? Where's your self-respect? And we live in a world of psychological fascism where people are constantly seeking to impose their beliefs on other people. We see it with religion all the time. We see it with uh, the woke mentality all the time. I believe this, so you must believe that. And if people acquiesce to that, then tyranny rules. And if they, we don't, if we say, you can call me what you like, and people do, I don't care. Call me this, call me that, call me the other. Well, thanks for sharing that with me. Have a nice day. But you say it anyway. And, and if enough people say it and refuse to bow to this psychological tyranny, imposing um, on our lives what we can be, what we can say, what we can think, the number of people being imposed upon is vast 
compared with the number of people doing the imposing. I think I see a way out of this. You know, stiffen the backbone, grow a pair, say what you believe, have, have self-respect in your own uniqueness and don't let anyone take it away. And if we live in a world of um, multiple uniqueness, where everyone is celebrating their own uniqueness, their own unique, all part of the same consciousness, yes, but their own unique point of attention, then that true, true diversity means tyranny can't reign. What does every tyranny want to do? Centralize everything, including perception. The more we celebrate our uniqueness, the more we are withdrawing from the ability of the, the few at the center to dictate to everybody. You will think this. <clears throat> I won't. You will say that. You won't say that. I will. What are they going to do? Why do people acquiesce and self-censor? Fear. Right. Get rid of fear, the world changes. Because the world is controlled by fear. Delete fear, delete control. David, it's always a pleasure having you on. Real uh, pleasure. I'm going to <laughs> shake your hand. Yeah, yeah, I'll shake Don't your hand. Don't you too. give me anything nasty now. I won't. And uh, let me just say, you know, clearly I don't agree with you on everything. But that's okay because I feel like I can speak my mind in front of you and I yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, but that. I, would dis I would be disappointed if you did because right. you would not be unique. Exactly. And uh, I'm so glad I had you on. Uh, about three years ago when I was going to have you on, I thought of all the reasons I shouldn't have you on. And every time you come I bet here, that took some time. <laughs> it, it did. Uh, who is this crazy guy? Uh -huh. And uh, people said, don't have David Icke on your show. And you were here, and that first episode, you blew me away with how all the th uh, most of the things you said made total sense to me. And I had you on again, and this is the fourth time. And I'll be honest, David, a lot of people told me not to have you on today. And I had to go back, and I thought, every time I have David on, he always shows me that he's got some amazing knowledge and amazing perspective about what's going on here, and I'm so glad I had you on to talk about this stuff. Why wouldn't people want me on? Exactly. I have no problem with you interviewing anyone you choose with any opinion that they have. So where does tyranny come from? Me or those that say, don't have him on. They might find a mirror, they might look at it, and they might learn something. We're going to end it on that statement. <laughs> David, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And in some ways, David, I love you as well. So keep doing what you do. I really appreciate it. For everybody else out there, please listen to this message. Meditate on it. Change your behavior. Change your thoughts. And everything else will change. And we're going to make it through this. Right? Pleasure. Thank you, David. Pleasure, Brian, as always. It. Thank you. Cheers, man. All right.